Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're a good God, Jesus. Lord God, we thank you that you came and met us, Lord God, when we were in desperate need of a saviour. Lord God, we thank you that you came to us, Jesus. That's a true testament of your character, Father God. And Lord God, the words that you spoke that are recorded in the Bible still apply today, and we thank you for that, Lord Father. Lord God, as we read your word, Lord God, let it speak to us, Lord God. Father, let your words pierce our hearts. We thank you, Father, that we are ordinary people who worship an amazing God. Thank you, Father. Amen. Right, when I was preparing to talk tonight, I was preparing to talk um, on something that I have looked at before, something that um, has spoke to me before, so it's nothing new. It's a bit of a journey, to be honest, a journey of my kind of relationship with God. And it's something that's challenged me and is constantly on my heart. Uh, And it's probably the same with most Christians as well. And I've been praying that God, I want to do more. I want to be more like the Father. I want to feel like I'm contributing more. I want to be more passionate for God. And I felt God say to me, well, what are you passionate about? And it was a bit of a challenge, really, because, well, what am I passionate about? What things make me really excited? What, what gets me jumping off my seat? What really kind of gets my blood uh, going and um, the butterflies in the stomach? So, what I'd like you to do, this is totally private, I've given you all a piece of paper, I want you to be honest and write the one thing that you feel you are truly passionate about. And I want you to be really, really honest here. Again, I'm not going to share, ask you to share, but... It requires a bit of honesty. So what thing, what one thing are you really, really passionate about? It might be sport, it might be family, whatever. Just give you 30 seconds to just write what are you really passionate about? What one thing would you honestly say you think about lots, you enjoy doing, you want to do? Have a think. <laughs> Bit of a pen issue. <laughs> so just 15 more seconds. If I'm being honest, when I did this, I would say, if I'm being 100% honest, probably my passion is football. I love football. If I'm being honest, honest, football. I love it. I love the tactical side of it. I love going to watch it. I love playing it. I love watching kids play it. I get so into it. And I felt God was saying to me, well, am I as passionate about football or whatever about him? And if I'm honest, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, probably not, to be honest. So I decided to explore how I could be more passionate about Jesus. And reading through the Bible, I was naturally drawn to Paul. I love Paul. And particularly in the book of Acts, we can see Paul's passion for Jesus, for the gospel. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. Now, before we read, we're just going to recap. Acts was written by Luke, the same person who wrote the gospel, Luke. Now, the difference is that Luke um, follows the, um, the, the book of Luke, sorry, follows the works of Jesus, whereas Acts focuses more on the spirit, the spirit being broken out amongst his people and the things that the spirit leads people to do. So that's what we're going to focus on tonight. So if you've got your Bibles open, if you turn to Acts 20, 
verses 22 to 24. Now, when I first read this, I skimmed over it, to be honest. Um, And when I read it back again, it really, really challenged me. Um, So, I'll just give you a moment. So, it's Acts 20, 22 to 24. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in town after town, the Holy Spirit warns me that chains and afflictions await me. But I consider my life of no value to myself. If only I may finish my course and complete the ministry I have received from the Lord Jesus. The ministry of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Amen. Now, what's happening here? Well, Acts is split, depending on what school of thought you're in, to six or seven parts. And it follows the gospel being taken from Jerusalem right through to Paul, ending up in Jerusalem and Rome. And here we have his final words on his travels to Jerusalem to the Ephesians elders. Now, first thing we need to look at is Paul's CV. It is not great. He oversaw and approved of the murder of Stephen, the first martyr. By approving, he was guilty of murder. Secondly, he then made it his passion, his duty to go around and round up all the Christians, throw them into prisons. Now, prisons in those days weren't particularly nice, so a lot of people would have died. Not a great CV. And the first thing I picked up from this verse was that Paul, once he encountered Jesus, didn't let his past hold him back. He was going from town to town, checking on churches, spreading the gospel. And you know, I have no doubt that his reputation would have preceded him. And we see that earlier in Acts. People knew who he was. When he first became saved, people were scared of him. And they thought he was not to be trusted. And you know, it could have been really easy for him to chicken out and say, I'm not going to go there. They know what I've done. They know what I'm like. And you know, so often we can let the guilt of things that we've done in the past stop us from encountering Jesus. We can let our shame hinder us from drawing close. We can let it dampen our passion for the Father. It's one of the best tools that the enemy has to hinder us from encountering the Father. Shame, guilt, what will people think? But we need to shake that off. You see, the beauty of Acts is that God takes these nobodies and makes them somebody through him, through the Spirit. And Paul is one of those people. He was a nobody with a horrible CV and he turned out to be one of the greatest theologians. And you know, on the flip side of that, we can also have another issue that we can become so distracted by other people's mistakes that it can dampen our passion for the Father as well. I I used to have a a friend, I used to again I say, um, I used to have a friend who would always go on about the problems in the church. And that was what all the other used to bang on about, and it was boring. The church does this, the church does that, the church's problems. And he let the mistakes of others stop him from drawing close to God. And you know, the truth is, we are imperfect. The church is imperfect, but uh, but God is perfect, amen? So we need to forget about the focusing, worrying on that, and put our focus on the Father. We need to make sure we keep our eyes on the Father. Don't let your past hold you back. Don't let the mistake of others stop you from drawing close to the Father. 
This was my favourite bit, point number two. The first sentence is vital to this part, what's going on. He was compelled by the Spirit. He was listening to God, and we see that in Acts. Paul constantly listens to the Father. He knows what the Father tells him. He knows Scripture. He's ready with Scripture. Bang, bang, when people question him. To be compelled by the Spirit, you need to know what the Spirit is telling you. You need to know what the Father is telling you. By spending more time with the Father, by spending more time listening to God, by praying through listening to worship music, through communion with others, we can learn what the Father's telling us and become more passionate about the Father. It's time to listen. We're not very good as humans. We let things make our lives very, very busy. And I'm the first to do that, so I'm going to hold my hands up. We're very good at making things busy in our life. And we say we haven't got time. And I challenged myself. I said, right, I'm going to write three things down that stop me from having time. And all three of the things that I picked, I could change easily. When I come in from work and I'm tired, I sit down in front of the TV. I could quite easily open my Bible. When I come in and I just want to just chill, I put something on YouTube. I can quite easily turn that to a preach. There are really easy steps to just fix this and just make sure that our, our priorities are in the right place. So what I want you to do on your piece of paper is to write down three things that you think you could do to give more time to listen to the Spirit. So you two, like Paul, can be compelled by the Spirit. Three things that you think you could do moving forward to light a passion for the Father. What three things could you do? And I'm asking you to write it down so that you can look at it and remind yourself, (laughs) actually, I need to do this. It's really important. If we're going to be people who are passionate for the Father, we need to be compelled by the Spirit. We can only be compelled if we listen to the Father, if we know the Father. I'm not going to ask you to share. (laughs) Don't worry, I'll just give people still writing, so I'll just give you 30 more seconds. What things are you going to do to spend more time with the Father? So that you too can be compelled by the Spirit. Great. Point three from this verse is that we need to trust God. Paul knew that God was calling him to Jerusalem and eventually to Rome, but yet still he was prepared to go despite not knowing what would happen to him. And it's very clear when we read in Acts that he goes from town to town to town spreading the word and he keeps getting warnings, this is going to happen, this is going to happen to you. And for me there was a real challenge there. He knew that following God's plan wasn't going to lead to a bed of roses, it wasn't going to be a nice experience. And we see that as we read on in Acts, he was beaten, he was spat at, he was kicked, he was abused, he was shipwrecked. You see, obedience isn't saying yes to what we like, but listening to and submitting to the Father's will, even when we don't want to do it. That's true obedience. And by being obedient, we learn what the Father tells us. By being obedient, we learn what God is telling us to do. And when we know that we're doing what God wants us to do, it ignites a passion in us. I can speak that for myself. 
when me and Hans first moved to Chester, I didn't want to. Before we moved, I didn't want to, to be honest. I was quite happy in my comfy little house in Stoke. And I knew, I just knew God was challenging me. I was spending time listening. And I couldn't, I just knew that was what God was calling me to do. I just knew. And you know, I know now what God's called me to do. I know what his plan is for my life. By being obedient, it awakens a passion in us. It awakens the passion for us. Proverbs tells us that man makes his plans, but God directs his steps. When we trust him, although we might not like where we're walking to, we know that the Father will take care of us. We know that our passion for him can grow. So we listen to the Father. We're compelled by the Spirit. We don't let past hold us back. We trust in him. Verse 24 is the jaw dropper. What does it say? But I consider my life of no value to myself. If only I may finish my course and complete the ministry I have received from the Lord Jesus. The ministry of testifying to the good news of God's grace. But I consider my life of no value. Can you get any more passionate? How many of us can say that? I can't. Here stands a man who's prepared to give up a comfy lifestyle to follow the Father's heart, to pursue his ultimate passion. When we just read his words, we know what his passion is. Jesus. And if we just take a moment to ourselves, could we say honestly the same thing? Now, we might not be called to go and give our lives, but still... The point is, can we say that we will follow the Father's heart no matter what? If we're truly passionate, we will. Am I prepared to stand out in front of others for him? Am I prepared to do the right thing, even when it's costly? This book is probably one of the best books I've ever read, read, by John Piper, called Filling Up the Afflictions of Christ. It's amazing. I got it from Devoted, Bargain, 299. And... uh, (laughs) And it is just amazing. And this is all about people who are passionate, who have a real passion for the Father. They listen, they trust, and they're compelled by the Spirit. And I just want you to just read just the first part. It's about a man called William Tyndale. Now, he didn't like what was going on in England at the time. He was very, very upset, and he didn't feel that we were being faithful to the Word of God. And in that time, to oppose the church would lead to death. And yet, he was prepared to make a stand. And he felt that God was telling him that he needed to translate the Bible to English. Now, the people who were running kind of um, religion at that time did not like that because they knew that if they did that, some of the things that they were teaching would be exposed. And he was warned that if you carried on with this path, it wouldn't end well. And what did he do? He listened to the Father. He was compelled by the Spirit. He trusted him and followed the path that the Father had for him. And how it ended, he was hung and burned. The ultimate devotion to the Father, the ultimate passion for the Father, despite being warned, he loved the Father so much that he gave his life for the Father. That is passion. 
Can you get any more passionate? Probably not. The most, most important person in this book, I feel, and I probably read it wrong, to be honest, if that's the case, but there's three sentences about a man called James Bainham. I couldn't Google anything else about him. I didn't know anything else about him. But we can see from his life, just from these three sentences, that he was true to the Father's calling for his life. Four months later, James Bainham followed in the flames in April 1532. He stood up during the Mass at St. Augustine's Church in London and lifted a copy of the New Testament and pleaded with the people to die rather than to deny the Word of God. That virtually was to sign his own death warrant and he was burnt alive. Can you imagine the courage to do that? To just trust the Father so much, to listen to what the Father's telling you to do and to follow the Father's plan. That is passion. That is passion. If anyone wants to borrow it, by the way, you're more than welcome to. And the final thing I got from this reading was that Paul makes it very clear that he has his own ministry. And Paul refers to, to life as this race. He has his own race. And that's a really, really important thing for us to realise. If we're to be passionate about our race, we need to accept and understand and acknowledge that we all have different races. We're not all called to be the Billy Grahams. Some of us might just be called at a moment to take a stand for the Father. But it all glorifies the Father. I've been guilty in the past of looking at other people's walks and being envious, if I'm being honest, of people, oh, I wish I just did that. I wish I could do that. I wish my life was called to do that. And the, the final stage that I found for me being content and learning to be passionate for the Father was to accept that God has given me my own unique walk, my own unique race. And Paul makes it clear in 24 that we all have our own race, only I may finish my course and complete the ministry I have received from the Lord Jesus, the ministry of testifying to the good news of Jesus and his grace. Embrace your race. Oh, copyright that, actually. Embrace the race. Don't get distracted. Church is here to build us up, to support us with our race. We're a family. That's the thing I've loved about this church from the beginning. We've always called ourselves a family on a mission. We're a family together with our own unique walks. Somebody once said to me that really, really challenged me. Really, really challenged me. If, I was, if everyone lived their Christian life as I did, would Christianity still be here in 10 years' time? Would it be here in 50 years' time? Or would it die out? And that really challenged me, particularly to do with my passion. Am I that passionate that if everyone had the same passion as me, Christianity would survive? Or would it actually die off in 10 years? It really got me thinking, no. I'm being honest. I'm not that passionate. I'm not as passionate as I should be. I'm not as passionate about the Father as I am football. So I need to change it. And they were the five points that I found. Number one, don't let your past hold you back. Don't let other people's mistakes stop you from drawing close to the Father. Number two, Paul makes it clear that he's compelled by the Spirit. Are you listening? Do you know what the Father's voice sounds like? Or have you been away for so long that you don't really understand or hear it? Number three, trust him. Even when life gets scary, trust the Father. 
He knows what's best for us. Sometimes we can't see it, but he works in mysterious ways. Point four. Do we consider our life of no value? Are we prepared to cling on to elements of it? Are we truly prepared to give our life to the Father? And point five, embrace your race. Embrace the race that the Father has given to you. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Jesus, that you've given us all a unique race. Heavenly Father, we thank you that sometimes we might not know what's over the next corner, we might not know what's over the brow of the hill, Lord God, but we know that we can trust you. Help us to be a people who draw close to you, Father. Help us to be a people who hear your voice, Lord God. Help us to be people who are prepared to give up everything to follow you, Jesus. Help us to be a passionate people. People who are prepared to make the ultimate stand for you, Lord God. Because you did it for us. You made the ultimate stand for us, God. Let us be a passionate people, Father God. Amen.